This is episode 624 of the Prepper Website Podcast, where I connect you with resources that will help you live a more self-reliant life so you can love your people, get prepared, and live free. Today's article, How Expert Preppers Survive on a Tight Budget. Hey, I'm Todd Sepulveda, the editor of PrepperWebsite.com. This podcast is an audible version, with some commentary, of articles that have been posted on Prepper Website, a daily curation of preparedness information. These articles are some of the best of the best that have been recently posted on PrepperWebsite.com. All article links and show information can be found on the PrepperWebsitePodcast.com. Hey guys, this episode is sponsored by the exclusive Prepper Website email group, which allows you to communicate with other preppers right from your email. And you don't have to worry about your every link, click, or word being tracked by social media. This email group resides on the same servers as Prepper Website. Now, other benefits to joining the group include exclusive webinars for members and the ability to subscribe to the Prepper website daily delivery. That means you get the links posted on Prepper website in your email. So for more information, visit www.prepperwebsite.net or click the link in the show notes. Hey guys, welcome to episode 624. Before we jump into our article of the podcast, just a couple of things. I just want to talk about the coronavirus very quickly, uh, COVID-19. And just um, just keep this at the forefront. I think a lot of people are not, they're still not talking about this. And I know I'm preaching to the choir out there, but I'm hoping that maybe there, there might be somebody out there that's new to the podcast. Maybe this is the very first episode that you're ever listening to and you're wanting to get a little bit more information or, or maybe you haven't been taking the coronavirus serious. You're still, you know, there's still people out there talking about, hey, the flu kills more people than the coronavirus has. And there's just a lot more to it than that. People that are saying that are honestly not looking at the information. They're not looking at what is going on out there. And so we've, we've seen this happen in China. And for the, for the longest time, everyone was so sure that the numbers that were coming out of China were not very accurate. And now we have China that there are scientists that are saying this did not develop in that little wet market that they're talking about, that this could look like something that is that was created in a bio lab. And so there's just a lot more to it, but it has, it has jumped. I mean, it is in Japan, it is in Singapore, it is in South Korea, it is in Italy, it is in Iran. And when people start to, when it when it's going through these other countries, it's starting to pick up steam, and it and there's just a lot more to it. Here's the thing: it's only been out two and a half months. They don't have a lot of information on it. They haven't wrapped their minds around it. And so, you know, I've been trying to share things out with the with the, the Prepper website email group. So I've been sharing things out there. I don't want to inundate everyone with so much coronavirus information. I have been taking in a lot. I'm just very careful about all the stuff that I've been sharing because it can be overwhelming to some people who just don't want to hear it. In fact, I shared about uh, this today at church. And, you know, after my message, I, I preached my message and I just felt, you know, like after we said our last prayer and everything, I'm like, hey, everybody sit down and let's talk about so I got to talk to you about something that's very serious. And I've already mentioned it before, but this was back when it was still in China. And I was just telling people kind of keep an eye out and stuff. And now I'm like, guys, I really believe that this was, this is a very serious thing that you need to be thinking about. And so one of the things I brought up was hurricanes. And, and I've mentioned it before here on the episode or on the podcast, you know, many times that 
a hurricane can be lingering in the Gulf of Mexico for you know days, but the minute that it starts to, or the models show that it's going to hit Galveston and come up and, and hit the Houston area, stores empty out. And what you've seen in Japan and you've seen in other places, stores emptying out when people start to realize the, the severity of this, how important this is. And so I was wanting to tell the tell my church members, I'm like, listen, if things start, people start panicking, if it gets a foothold here, which everyone is saying it's, it, we have, at the time of this recording, we have 35 confirmed cases. Some of those, half of those are from people that were on the cruise ship, right? But what some of the people, what a lot of people don't understand is, for instance, in California, I was looking at one statistic. Since the beginning of February, there's been over 6,000 people that have come from China. Of those 6,000 people, the, the government has told them as they've come in, they haven't quarantined them, they haven't put them in isolation, they've told them to self-isolate. Now think about that. There might be some people that are, okay, hey, I'm, I'm going to be a good citizen, I'm going to go self-isolate for 14, 24, and, and really the government's saying 14 days, we're, we're seeing that it's now really people should be isolated or quarantined for 24 days, and so People are supposed to self-isolate. Well, if you don't have food in your pantry, you're going to go out to the store and you're going to infect people there. If you're in, you know, if you have, uh, if you have the coronavirus, and the thing is, you can be asymptomatic of of all a bunch of other viruses that that you get. W- once you start showing symptoms, then you start spreading the disease. With this one, with the coronavirus, you can be spreading the disease without even showing any signs. And that's what's so scary, especially when they isolate or quarantine someone for 14 days and then say, hey, well, you never showed a fever. You, you know, you seem like you're completely healthy. You're good to go. And then they wind up coming back and saying, well, wait a minute. After those 14 days, they get a fever, they get sick. And in the meantime, they've been spreading the virus all over the place. So do you really believe that we only have 35 infected here in the United States? There's just no way. There's no way that that, those are the, the numbers. And then if you've been paying attention, and I can't remember where I saw this, there is, and I think it's a little bit more all over Twitter now, um, before it was just one person that was really talking about it. It might have been Chris Martinson over at Peak Prosperity. He's been putting out a daily video, and so I uh, I would encourage you to go look him up. I share those videos on Prepper website. Not every single one of them. Again, I don't want to inundate everyone with all of this, but you can follow him on Twitter, and you can always go to peakprosperity.com, and you can see his videos there. And uh, I think he was talking about a city that was suing the government and suing the state of California and suing, they were suing everybody because they found out, so they got wind that the people that were in quarantine because of the cruise ship or whatever, they came over from China, they were in quarantine for 14 days at the military base, they were going to be moved to a residential treatment center. Now, all a residential treatment center is, is basically a home that was, that is, has been, remodeled so that people can live there more than just a family, right? And so this community was really upset and they sued because they're like, hey, we don't even have a good grasp of this of this virus. These people have only been there 14 days and you're bringing them into our community. You're bringing them into our neighborhoods. So they sued so that that wouldn't happen. So there are people out there taking more interest in and they're being a little bit more adamant about hey we need to to prepare but you're still not hearing that from the cdc you're still not hearing that from the government and the big reason is they don't want to cause panic 
right? We know that people don't want to cause panic because the minute people start panicking, things start flying off the shelves, people start doing crazy stuff and really things become unmanageable. And so they're trying to hold off. The good news for those of us that are, are, are in the know is that you have this time. So if you're not prepared, so this is what I told the church, think about being at home and not being not leaving your home because it's bad out there. Things have gone sideways. It's bad out there. And you need to hunker down in your home for a month. What would you need? So I talked about food. And I'm like, guys, food. You can buy food. And, of course, you can't buy fresh items. But you can buy canned foods. And you can buy dry goods. And you can buy all the stuff that you can have in your pantry. And you might not even fit in your pantry. You might need to stack it up on, you know, on the floor, on a table or whatever, make some shelves, but you can have food. And the thing is, is that it does, it won't go to waste because it's food that you will buy, that you will eat. So, you know, buy food that you're going to eat. It's just, you're buying in advance. Think about hygiene. What would it need? You know, what would you need? Um, Some people just buy toothpaste as they need it. But what if you couldn't go to the store to buy more, more toothpaste and, and more deodorant and more toilet paper and different things like that? What would you do? And so, you know, you want to have those hygiene items there. Now, I talked about it last week. I wrote an article actually in the episode, you know, prepping for a quarantine. So you can go two episodes back and listen to that. And I talk a little bit about, you know, what you what you need to be thinking about. But also that article over at preparedchristians.com. Was, has been a very popular article. And some of the other things that I said there are, you know, being, you can go kind of kooky, being, you know, locked up in your home for a whole month or longer if you're hunkering down. What other kinds of things do you need? You need some processes and procedures and, and people, you know, going to sleep and, and, and making sure that you have entertainment and all those different kinds of things. Maybe you have a time where the family comes together and they play board games and, and all that stuff. So, you know, I would encourage you, if you need some ideas, go over to preparedchristians.com and read that article on prepping for a quarantine because I, I put some extra you know, information in there and extra ideas that you could possibly use. But anyway, I was sharing with the church, you know, and it's like, do you, you just just think about this? Buy things that you're going to use anyway. Buy things that, you know, you're, you're not, I'm not asking you to be a survivalist. I'm not telling you to go out and build a bunker in your backyard. I'm just telling you to buy things that in case things go crazy and people start panicking, you have supplies in your home to be able to weather that storm and get through. And, you know, I asked for questions late, you know, afterwards, no one really had a question, but someone had a comment about, hey, don't forget about your dog, you know, make sure you have enough dog food for your dogs or for your pets or, or whatever you have there. And so I think we're at that stage now here that we're really, we really need to start thinking about if you are not, if you, if you've been like this armchair prepper, if you've been, you know, just kind of listening, kind of hanging out and, and, uh, checking out what we're all about. I think maybe now's the time you really start taking it a little bit more serious. You know, in the preparedness community, there's always been, you know, there's this, uh, and I have to talk a little bit about this, you know, in the movie men in black, the first one with Will Smith and Tommy Lee Jones, you know, Will Smith, there's a scene where Will is, is freaking out because the world's ending. And Tommy Lee Jones tells them, hey, the world is always ending. You know, you got to kind of get, you know, just deal with it. It's always ending. And sometimes in the preparedness community, you can always feel like that. Because we go from one thing to the next to the next. 
And I've been in it for a while. And I got to tell you, sometimes I do get caught up in it because you hear something and it just sounds, man, there's just a lot of evidence there. But, you know, it turns out to be nothing. And so you have, I mean, think about all the things that we have gone through before. We, we've gone through the, you know, 2012. We've gone through, uh, oh my gosh, you know, we've gone through the Shemitah. We've gone through the blood moons. We've gone through, you know, the economy is going to drop in this month. And all these different things where, you know, the world was about to, we're going to go to war and all these different things that were about to happen. But when you think about those things, where where the sky was falling, those were all things that had not happened. People were looking forward. They were projecting. They were this this could happen. This right here with the coronavirus, it's not something that people are talking about. This is something that is actually happening. People are dying. They are shutting down whole cities. They are shutting down you know, sporting events and schools and people, they're asking people not to leave their homes. And in some places there, uh, actually I got an alert that in Italy, the military and the police were, were asking people to stay in their homes, do not come out. And so, you know, it's a scary thing because it's really truly happening. It just isn't happening in your neighborhood right now. But that is that opportunity for you because you can, if you have not finished preparing, you can do what you need to do now to get prepared. And so, you know, do do that. Be smart about it. Buy things. Don't go crazy, you know, buying things that, you know, this is not your opportunity to go buy that new rifle that you want to, uh, to buy. This is your opportunity to make sure your family has food and hygiene items and the things that you need to do if you were to hunker down. So what would you need to survive if you were in your home for one to two months? The, the good thing, you know, someone at church brought up water. And it's always good, of course, to have your water storage. That's important. That's a big deal in preparedness. But one of the things that we're seeing is that that is not happening in other places. So utilities are not shutting down. It has to get really, really bad for that to happen. But, you know, in Wuhan, you're not hearing about water is being turned off. You're not hearing about the electricity is being turned off. You're not hearing that about, about any other country you know that the they still have infrastructure they still have their utilities so that's always a really big thing and, and a really plus for us to have that because then you can just use your your kitchen you can cook you can use your water and and all that good stuff and so you're good to go but what would you need again i'm going to ask you that question and in, in something to think about what would you need if you needed to survive in your home for one to two months what do you need? What do you, you know? What do you need to go take care of? And maybe for some of you, it's just topping off and making sure that there are some items that, hey, I would like to have these things. And you know what? You get that opportunity to go and make those purchases and add those to your preps right now or to your food storage because you have some time. So that's what I'm going to leave you with there. I, I, I'm probably will talk about the corona, coronavirus more often, especially as things start ramping up. In fact, in the preparedness email group or the, the prepper website email group, um, I am going to be doing a webinar on just how I stay informed and I'm going to be sharing that out with the group. So if that's something that you're interested in and you haven't joined the group yet, I'm going to encourage you to go over to prepperwebsite.net. Um, that's going to be coming up in March, March 14th, I believe. One last thing I want to talk about before we jump into our article, and this will be really quick is I have this great idea to crowdsource bug-in recipes. And so what I mean by that is getting ideas because sometimes people have, uh, 
that you know it's like hey i can't come up with any ideas i mean you're you're cooking every day you're doing all those kinds of things but it's like i need ideas for easy food to make if i was to bug in so i thought it would be a great idea to put this out there towards the community the preparedness community and say hey what kinds of things would you do what kind of recipes do you have and if everyone listening to this or everyone that comes to prepper website just put one recipe just contributed one recipe Think about what we would have, right? This great cookbook. And so I'm crowdsourcing this to where I'm allowing the preparedness community to come and participate. And so I have an article with a link over at preparedchristians.com. I'm going to link to it in the show notes. so You can easily go over there and to kind of explain what I'm talking about. And then with a link to a Google Doc that is wide open and editable for anybody who wants to do it. There's some information in there on how to do it and how to go about doing it. You know, scroll down to an empty page where you can, you know, and there's different uh, places where you can input your recipe information. But here's the deal. After we get about 30 or 40 really great recipes, I'm going to go ahead and package that as a PDF and then just offer it free to the preparedness community. But here's the thing. I'm going to keep mentioning this every so often. And so as people find that article and as it gets shared out there, then I know that over time there will be more recipes there. So I can see where this would be an updated cookbook. That's my that's my vision, that it would be an updated cookbook every, you know, I don't know, every year maybe, maybe every six months I put out a new edition. Hey, this is edition number five of you know, of, of this bug in recipe cookbook. And again, the idea is to have recipes that are easy to make, to give you some ideas, recipes that are easy to make that you can have if you're hunkering down and bugging in and uh, what, whatever that would mean. And so, uh, you know, people have some really great recipes out there, a lot of great information. And so I think that if we, in the preparedness community, kind of all just pull our, our information together Man, I think this could be a really great thing. So if you have, listen, this is only needs to take five to 10 minutes. You don't have to give us your name. You don't have to, I mean, I give you all that information. You, you don't have to do any of that stuff. Just put the recipe in the document and uh, that would be what a great contribution. But if you do want to share your name, you can share your name. And if you have a website, maybe you are listening to this and you are, uh, you know, you have a, a preparedness website and you want to share you know, what website you, um, you, you have, you can do that as well. And like, Hey, cause I put Todd Sepulveda or recipe by Todd Sepulveda at prepperwebsite.com and the, you know, the prepper website podcast and preparedchristians.com. And so, you know, I linked those and maybe that'll give you a little bit of traffic there, you know, a little bit of a, of a blessing there for putting that recipe in. So anyway, I, I hope you will do that. I hope you will take the time to uh, put in one recipe again, like I said, if, if everybody does, does one, I think we could come up with this really great cookbook, this really great resource that would be a blessing to a lot of people throughout the years. All right, I've talked for a long time and I think I need to shut up. I need to move into the article of the podcast episode. This is coming to us from survivalpedia.com and the title is How Expert Preppers Survive on a Tight Budget. This is always one of those topics that is very important. I hear from people all the time. Todd, I want to prepare. Todd, I want to, you know, get get ready, but I just don't have any money. And sometimes 
The idea is because I don't have the money that I want to be able to prepare, or I don't have enough to prepare the way that I think, or my vision of preparedness looks like. And for some people, it's a cabin out in the mountains and, or, you know, a place out in the country and homesteading and maybe a bunker in your backyard or, or whatever. And like, since I can't do that, then I'm not going to do anything, right? I'm not going to do anything at all. And that is the wrong decision. That is a false uh, a false move because every step towards preparedness helps you and helps your family. I mean, really, that's what we're doing it for. We're not just doing it for us. We're doing it for the people that we love. And that's the way I open up every episode. And so every move that you make makes you a little bit better prepared than other people that are out there. So even if they're small moves and even if you're on a tight budget, so let's talk a little bit and let's get some ideas here on this uh, from this article, again, coming to us from Survivalpedia, how expert preppers survive on a tight budget. Let's go ahead and get started. I've been prepping since before it was called prepping. Back then, we were just called survivalists. We were the ones who were going to survive the thermonuclear war, Y2K, and every other disaster that's been foretold since then. While we've managed to dodge the bullet on all of those Teotihuacan events, there have been plenty of smaller disasters, mostly natural disasters, which our preparation has helped us to live through. I get it when people tell me that they can't afford to prep. I've been there more than once. I have no idea how many thousands of dollars I've spent on survival gear, supplies, DIY projects, and modifications to my home through the years. Sometimes it was easy to pay for all of that, but for the most part, I've had a hard time coming up with the money to do what I need to do. Sadly, there are many who look at those financial obstacles and don't do anything, rather than doing something. It's not that these people don't want to do anything, it's that they can't see any way in which they can afford to do it. Since they can't see where the thousands of dollars they need are going to come up with, they don't spend the $50 they can't afford. The funny thing about this is anything you do is going to make things better for you and your family. I get it that the $50 isn't going to do everything you need, but it will do something. That something may be just the thing you end up needing someday. Even if it isn't, it's bound to make your family more secure. Step by step, we can all get there. It's always worth it. There's a picture here of a two liter, a two liter and it says, fill up a two liter with dimes and you should have around $700 let the dimes challenge begin. So I never knew that. That's a lot of dimes, but uh, filling up a two liter, two liter bottle. I don't know. That's maybe something someone wants to try there. So what do you do here? Well, let's continue on. So what do you do if you can't spend all the money? You do what you can. Much of the time, that means coming up with another way of doing things other than the way that everyone else espouses. In survival, you're looking for results, not process. You're looking for what works, not what's chic. It might be nice to be tactical, but that won't help you survive any more than a pair of jeans and a t-shirt. You just need to be willing to set aside the television image of a survivalist and adopt a more realistic image. So let's talk about reuse, repurpose, and scavenge. One thing any true survivalist knows how to do is turn something useless into something useful. Now, I don't watch much TV, but I've seen a few of the reality survival shows that have become so popular. One thing that always stands out is that the people who succeed are the ones who figure out how to get the most out of whatever they find, whether in nature or garbage that has washed up on shore. 
They might not have the latest survival gadget to work with, so they work with what they find. If you can't afford the latest survival gadget, you're not alone. But don't worry, you probably don't really need it. While it might be nice to have that gadget, you can survive without it. People have managed to do it for centuries. The thing is to figure out what you need to have in order to survive and then look for things that will meet those needs. Some of that may not even be survival equipment. Just because it doesn't say survival on the label doesn't mean it can't be used for survival. If you think about it, everything we use every day of our lives is helping us survive, yet none of it is called survival gear. Now always remember that form follows function, so look for something that has the right form for what you need. If you need to haul water from the creek, look for something that will work as a container, regardless of what its true function is. What? You don't have a jar or bottle big enough? What about that ice chest sitting right there? How much water will it hold? Need something to haul the ice chest of water on? Okay, what do you have that has wheels? How about that baby stroller in the attic? It builds, it's built to carry more than 50 pounds you need. Many product inventions and innovations started out by modifying an existing product. Someone saw something that was already on the market and found another way of using it. Many times, all it takes is a small amount of modification to make something usable for another purpose. This is where being a good do-it-yourselfer comes in. The ability to see potential in something is a valuable skill, but doesn't compare to making that a reality. When it comes to turning ordinary things into survival gear, those DIY skills will come in handy. They are also skills that will help you to survive at a time where you're either going to have to have it already or make it for yourself. So where does the stuff come from? If you're going to reuse and repurpose, where are those things you're going to reuse and repurpose going to come from? To start with, they're going to come from your own home. Take a look around, especially in the attic, basement, and garage for all those things you don't use. You'll probably find lots of things that can be repurposed for survival, some with a little bit of modification and others that can be used just as they are. Remember, as you're doing this, you're looking for something that will accomplish the task, not necessarily something that first, that first you preconceived notion of what would be ideal. Focusing on that ideal item will keep you from seeing the item that's right before your eyes. The thinking that a bug out bag has to be a backpack will keep you from seeing that duffel bag which will work for it. Knowing that you need a survival hatchet will make you overlook the old rusty machete which will do just as good a job. Wanting a backpacking tent for your bug out bag may make you overlook the tarp which will work as a shelter. Remembering that ad for a cool survival knife you saw yesterday may cause you to dismiss the old fishing knife which will work just as well. You don't have to limit your scavenging to your home either. What about friends and family? My wife and her mom are constantly trading things back and forth. What one doesn't want the other often finds useful. Do you have the sort of relationship with anyone? If so, expand it to things that will be useful for survival, not just knickknacks or kitchen stuff. Then there's everyone else out there. It's amazing how much stuff you can find sitting on the side of the road, put out as trash to be collected. Going out the night before to roam the streets and looking at what people have set out can be a great way of collecting useful things to repurpose. Here are a few of the things that I have found. Oak pallets, which can be used for firewood. Gardening tools with broken handles that can be replaced. Broken bicycles, if they can't be repaired, the wheels can be used for carts. 
backpack that only needed a strap repaired, storage cabinets, big screen televisions that I was able to scavenge the large Fresno lens out of for solar cookers, tree branches that I was able to cut up for firewood or mulch for my garden, luggage that I was able to use for storage containers, and building materials which went into a variety of projects. Now a couple of important things to note here. The first is that these are all large items. I didn't actually go rooting through people's garbage. If I had, I would have found more, but I don't do things that way. I just do a drive-by looking for what might be useful. The second is that we live in a disposable society. People don't fix things anymore, and many things are built in a way that makes them hard to repair. Even with things that are repairable, it can be hard to find the parts. That creates an opportunity for the prepper who is pretty good at DIY projects. You can always find things which others are throwing away that you can make useful. So let's talk about getting it cheap. Of course, you won't be able to find everything you need sitting on the side of the road, but that doesn't mean you have to pay full price for it either. There are many ways of saving money on your preps, especially buying things on the cheap. What about garage sales? I bought a lot of survival gear or things I've repurposed to be survival gear at garage sales. People are constantly getting rid of things that they no longer want or need. In some cases, those things are just what you and I need for survival. Some of my top things to find at garage sales are camping gear for bugging out, candles for lighting, bicycles for transportation, fishing gear, five-gallon buckets, hand and gardening tools, kids' clothing, canning jars, hand-operated appliances, cast-iron cookware, medical equipment, oil burning lanterns, kerosene heaters, fabric and sewing supplies, old sewing machines, building materials, lawn mowers usually have carburetor problems, and car batteries for battery backup systems. Of course, anything that can be found at a garage sale can also be found at a flea market or on Craigslist too. It's usually just a matter of a little shoe leather or wear on the fingers to find any number of useful things. If you can't find it today, you will probably be able to find it next week, next month, or a few months from now. So let's talk about free firewood. Believe it or not, one of the things I hate to see is preppers paying good money for firewood. I haven't paid a dime for firewood in years, and I always have plenty on hand. All the firewood I have, and I currently have about two cords of it, is wood that I've scavenged in one way or another. In doing this, I've saved money which I am able to use for other prepping supplies. So where do you get free firewood from? Obviously, you're going to have to cut it yourself. All you need to do is find where the firewood that needs to be cut is hiding. Here are a few such places. Limbs blown down by storms. People will often pay you to come and get them. Dead trees in people's yards. Once again, they'll usually pay you to cut them down. And trees on land being cleared for construction, just ask the contractor. Old unusable pallets and tree limbs piled on the curb for trash collection. If you've got a chainsaw and a pickup truck or trailer, you shouldn't have any problem finding enough firewood to keep you going. Just remember that you're going to need a lot of it when you start using it. Families who heat their homes with wood usually go through four to six cords of wood per winter. Now let's talk about food. Now one of the most expensive things for many of us to deal with when it comes to prepping is building a good food stockpile. Food can get expensive, especially buying enough food to build a stockpile. But remember, you're buying survival food, not gourmet food. What do I mean by that? I mean that we shouldn't be trying to eat like we normally would if things were normal. 
If you look at the food most people try to stockpile, it seems a lot like they are trying to do just that. But while that might be a good idea for the long term, it isn't for the short term. It's a very expensive way to build a stockpile. I'm not saying that you shouldn't want to eat well in times of crisis. What I'm saying is that it's more important to build that stockpile than it is to build it with the food you really want to eat. Better to build a basic stockpile that will keep you alive than add better foods to it later. That's going to mean a stockpile that's heavy in starches, but that's all right. More than anything, what you're going to need, at least for a while, is carbohydrates to give your body energy. Add in some protein with that and you're good for a while, even though it isn't a balanced diet. So add in beans, nuts, and amaranth as part of your stockpile. Then you can add the dried and canned meat later. So a final word. I'm not telling you to do anything that I haven't done myself. If you look at my preps, there's a lot of used gear, repurposed gear, and homemade gear. When I started stockpiling, I looked for the cheapest way to go. Through time, I've added to that, that at least I've had food to eat, even if it wasn't what I wanted. Now, several years later, I've got the gear and supplies I want, but in many cases, the originals are still there side by side. All right, guys, so that's it for the article. And uh, again, that's coming to us from Survivalpedia. I want to talk very briefly about uh, just a couple of things. You know, he talked a little bit about garage sales here, and there are some things that you can really find at garage sales and uh, really good deals. And, and well, here, let me, let me go take a step back just a second here. If you look at preparedness as all this stuff that you need, and a lot of people, when they first come into preparedness, because of the freak out, because they start realizing, you know what, I am behind the eight ball. I need to just start getting prepared. And they just start going to the store and buying stuff, right? If you, if you do that, you are going to spend a lot of money on a lot of junk that you don't wind up needing. It just looks cool. It sounds cool, but you really don't need. So this is what you need to do. You need to sit down and create a plan. And that plan is what are you prepping for? What is the, the most important reason why you are prepping? Now, again, if you are new to this podcast and maybe you're, you're just, this is your first episode and the coronavirus has gotten you looking for ways to, to get better prepared. So you're, you're, the reason you're coming to us is because of the pandemic and the coronavirus and, and, and what's going on there. So right now your thing is, how do I prepare for a pandemic? And that's where you're, you're bouncing off of. What do I need to be better prepared for a pandemic? If you are prepping for that, you don't need a tent. If you're prepping for that, you don't need to go out and buy a piece of land or you just you know start gardening or anything like that. If you're prepping for that, you are, again, the things that I talked about at the very beginning of this, this episode is you're going out and you're getting a food stockpile and you're getting hygiene stockpile and you're focusing on those types of things. If you need to hunker down at home, that's what you would be focusing on. Well, let's say you're focusing, you're coming and you're like very practical preparedness. I am. And I've heard people do this, you know, throughout the years. Yeah. I I don't worry about EMPs. I don't worry about, you know, nuclear war. I'm prepping for a hurricane. I live on the Gulf coast. And so if you're prepping for a hurricane, what would that look like? I mean, if you were, if a hurricane came and, and it hit your area, whatever, or a blizzard or, uh, you know, a fire or what, whatever it is, what would it look like to mean, or what does it mean? And what does it look like to be completely prepared for a fire that might be, well, I have my, 
you know, I have my bug out bag and I have my, you know, all my information, my important documents and things that, you know, ready to go. I'm ready to grab my bag and go in, in a moment's notice. For a hurricane, it could mean, you know, being without electricity for a couple of days, being without water for a couple of days, ways to cook your food, ways to maybe, you know, keep your refrigerator going using, uh, you know, you, you know, powering, um, from your from your car being able or you know having a generator or something along those lines um being able to maybe have some supplies if the roof you know some extra shingles or you have some tarps that if the shingles get blown off of your roof you're able to lay a tarp up there so that you know rain and water doesn't come in and come you know messing up your your house so it can look like that so what does it mean to be fully prepared for whatever you are prepared prepping for because if you just you're you're going I'm prepping for the end of the world forget it there's no way you can't be prepared for that there's no way that you can be prepared for that so take it as you know what are you prepping for and go from there you know again I'm prepping for the coronavirus so what does it mean if you are prepared what what would that look like if you are prepared for the coronavirus and so you you take it from there and you build on on that and so maybe one of your things is I want to have a garden. And, and so I am prepping and that is one of my preparedness goals is to have a garden. Okay, what do you need? I need, you know, I'm going to have some raised gardens. So I need some wood to be able to, you know, have some kind of a, of a form that I can put dirt inside of and mulch and, and, and I can, you know, build up my soil. And then I'm going to need seeds and then I'm going to need garden hoses and then I'm going to need some garden tools and then so you start writing down the things that you need. So when you go to garage sales, when you go to flea markets, when you're looking at Craigslist that you can, you know, you already have a supply list that you're looking for. Like, I don't want to go spend $50 on this one specific tool. If I can find it at a pawn shop for $5, man, that that's that's a great deal. And so you're working off of a list. You're not just working off of the list that you have in your mind, because the list that you have in your mind, I can guarantee you, listen, I can guarantee you it is not accurate and it is not right. So you want to sit down and make a list of what you need. So when he talks about garage sale and he's talking about, you know, finding camping gear for a bug out, well, maybe this author who's writing this article, maybe his plan is to bug out. So he's looking for that camping gear. So you're being very purposeful about that. So garage sales, I know that he talked about Craigslist. I want to tell you that some other places that you can look for free, I mean, and they have free items and they also have items really, really cheap is the, um, and I've talked about it before is next door, the next door app. And so you can, you can do that and they have, um, you know, they have classifieds on there. And again, you can find all different kinds of things for really great deals. And then you also have Facebook Marketplace. Now, I don't like Facebook. You know, I've been talking about that before. But if you are on Facebook, there's a lot of people like, hey, I'm, I'm not going to get off Facebook. That's just the way it is. So if you want to get on Facebook Marketplace, there's a lot of things that you can find on there as well. You know, the classified. So, you know, Craigslist, next, the Nextdoor app. Uh, Facebook Marketplace, you can find some really, really great deals there and, uh, you know, add to your preps and and just, you know, you might not be looking for a bug out bag, but you might be looking for, you know, a hiking bag or, you know, going on a hike or or whatever, you know, camping equipment, that kind of stuff. And you might be able to find some really, really great things. You might be, you might find 
things that people are just giving away. It's like, hey, this is stuff that I'm just giving away. Another place that you can go is resale shops. If there's a resale shop that that you know of that's you know has really great stuff, there's some resale shops out there that are just it's just junk. But there's some that really that you know they get good stuff every once in a while. And so stopping by there is is really smart. And so that's one way that you can add to your preps is by going to going to resale shops and 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 just you know purchasing those items there at a really low cost. I want to end up talking about the the food storage that he talked about. I agree with him. I agree with him to to a point. And and his point was go get food and just make sure you have food. So what that might look like is make sure you have a lot of beans and rice. I mean, you might not like it, but at least you're not going to die. So that's that's where he's coming from when he's when he's saying those types of things. There's a lot of people in the preparedness community that would say, you know, eat what you store, store what you eat. So why go buy beans and rice if you know people aren't going to eat that and just continue buying what you normally buy, just continue buying more of it. So if you buy a a can of, I don't know, I'm just going to throw stuff out there. You buy a, a can of green beans and a can of tuna and a can of whatever, you go and you know, a jar of peanut butter, then instead of just buying those, you buy two cans of green beans and two cans of tuna and two jars of peanut butter. You know, and especially if you're looking for cells, you can do it that way. So you're buying what you know your family is going to buy. So I understand both sides of it because a lot of people will say, well, kid, you want your kids to eat. Well, guess what? When they're hungry, they're going to eat. So I understand what he's saying here in this article. Have something, even if you don't want to eat it if you don't like it and the thing is is something like rice and beans is really really cheap and then if you go with the, the the buckets and you go with the mylar bags you know and you store it in a cool dry place those you know those buckets will last for 25 years but again storing what you eat eat what you store that stuff that makes a lot of sense as well so if you're i guess if maybe if you're behind the eight ball right now and maybe you're kind of freaking out about the coronavirus and pandemics and stuff. Maybe you do go buy some rice and beans and you stock up on some pasta and some spaghetti sauce and, and you stock up a lot of that. So at least you'll have something to eat. But at the same time, you start building up your pantry and you start adding to your pantry. And the best way to do that, and listen, if you have not take if, if you have if you need some ideas here and you need to know how to start, take my free course on three easy ways to get started in food storage. It's free. You can get through it in an hour. I have a, an ebook for $3. You know, I'm not trying to get rich there. I'm just, you know, just, just trying to get it out there for people if they want it. I have two worksheets that I talk about in that course that, uh, that are at the end of that ebook. And so that ebook will, will, or the, the, the worksheets will walk you through getting, you know, uh, providing or starting a, a menu. And so if you do your food storage that way, like, Hey, you're starting from menus. And so I'm going to create a menu for a week. And then you write down the list of those, uh, of what you need for that, for that menu, right? So you create your list, your grocery list, and then you multiply it by four there. You, you have a month's worth of food right there. So, you know, it's like, and you're not eating the same thing over and over and over again. So your Monday, whatever your Monday menu is, you, you eat that Monday menu on Mondays 
for four weeks, you have a month's worth. And so it's just really easy to do. So that's really the way you truly want to think about it as menu items and just kind of go from there and you can build your list. It's easy to think of things that way. That's why I really think the bug-in recipe crowdsource cookbook that I'm trying to put together, I really think that makes sense because you can just like, okay, what ingredients do I need? Now I'm going to plug this into one of my days. And so, you know, you have, you can have a variety there. You're not eating the same thing you're eating. You're spreading that out throughout the whole week. So you can think of it that way, but I understand both sides of it. Hey, make sure you have something to eat in case you, you need to eat something. You, you will eventually eat it. And then the other side of if you have time, if you have the ability, make menus, start, you know, start uh, building your stockpile that way. And then you make sure for sure everybody eats. You could do both of them if you're if you're not sure um, or if you want to just make sure you have even more than that that month or two months worth. You can, you can have that and maybe put a couple of five gallon buckets of rice and a couple of five gallons of beans in your closet and just kind of leave it there and uh, for 25 years and uh, maybe when you when you die die they'll come and find it and just throw it away or whatever but at least you have something so i kind of understand where what he's saying when he when he's talking about uh you know that so um you know, the, there's both sides of it that I'm sharing with you. So guys, great article over here. And there's always ways to prep. You can always prep. You can always make small moves. And just because you can't buy that $8,000 worth of, you know, freeze dried food storage that comes all at one time that will fill up your, your whole guest room, right. To survive, you know, a year or whatever, just because you, you can't do that right now, doesn't mean that you can't build up your stockpile or just because you don't have the thousands and thousands of dollars that you need for preparedness. Doesn't mean you can't spend the $50 like he mentioned here on something that would be very beneficial. Every step, every move that you make in preparedness is one that makes you and your family better off in the long run. And so that's the way to think about it as you're, as you're approaching this and as you're approaching what you need to do and how you need to get better prepared, even if you're on a small budget. There's always ways, or on a tight budget, there's always ways of doing it. Well, everyone, that is it for episode 624. Hey, don't forget, like always, I'm going to link to this article in the show notes so you can go and check it out yourself and read some of the comments or maybe leave a comment uh, yourself or maybe ask a question if you want to do that. Hey, if you want to make sure that you never miss another episode of the Prepper website podcast, make sure that you hit subscribe in your favorite podcast catcher. And that way you never miss another episode of Sweet Prepper Goodness. Hey, and if you're looking for more preparedness and self-reliant information, head over to PrepperWebsite.com, where we link to 8 to 12 articles every day of the best self-reliant articles out there. We also have pages dedicated to alternative news, firearms, DIY, Bible prophecy, frugal living, and homesteading. And lastly, don't forget to join the email list if you haven't. When you do, I'm going to send you a free PDF entitled 25 Handpicked Preparedness Articles You Should Read. And with that, Choose to live a more self-reliant life. Choose not to be so dependent on the government grid or the grind. Until next week, stay prepped and aware. Peace.